finding Francis. Hey, Bella, I ain't know if he was at work or not. I'm gonna give you a call back in a few. All right. It's funny how life could change. All within the blink of an eye. Be careful of decisions you make. All within the blink of an eye. Just When everything you know is gone, and everything that glitters ain't gold, you know. Things can go from good to bad, bad to all within the blink of an eye. He said, Once there was a rapper that was super spectacular. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to this episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, please, I advise you, start listening from episode number one. I am your host, Bella Zinn. And if you have any information about Rob Francis, please visit www.findrobfrancis.com. You can leave your thoughts, ideas, or input on a forum, or even leave an anonymous tip if you know more about his disappearing. On September the 25th, 2017, my life was changed forever. Robert McLevin, a.k.a. Rob Francis, my roommate and best friend, is vanished from my apartment without a trace. I'm going to tell you who Francis is who his friends are, his disappearing, the theory, and the police investigation into this case. You're going to hear from other people and his relationship with those people. The reason why I decided to do this after almost three years of no trace. Zero help into this case from his friends that may know more. The suspicious behavior from people and the search. I spent hours looking and searching for pieces. I'm going to give you a clear canvas and let you, as a listener, puzzle the pieces in. This is my research, my story, and what I did and do to find Rob Francis. Previous on finding Rob Francis. I told you about Rob Francis, who he is, and his closest friends, Amp, Phil, TJ, and myself. I told you about the accident that occurred in 2014 that resulted in a head trauma, and a friend who, in my opinion, acted strange and had something to hide then. This episode, I will take you through the day of his disappearance. My response? the police response, his mother's response, and who else reacted and how they reacted. Before I start telling you about this day, this is where my life completely took a turn. And now that I look back at it and think about it, and look with all the knowledge that I have now, this day becomes something that I only spoke about when needed to. Being a narrator of my own story, I try to keep telling this day as accurate as possible with giving you, the listener, the correct information. But a lot will be shared in the next few episodes. And I'm going to tell you everything from my point of view, starting this day. With that being said, today's the day. The 25th of September, 2017. It's Tuesday morning, 7.45 a.m. I just came home from my job. I see Francis' car parked at the same spot where I left it last night. It's the same sweet little spot, a little bit further from the entrance of the apartment building that I'm staying in. Earlier that year, Francis asked me if he could stay with me, due to personal reasons, and he wanted to stay closer on the side where I was living in. Francis already had the key to my place, stayed on the couch whenever he wanted to, and I knew he wouldn't be trouble for me, so he stayed in the room in my apartment. I worked overnight. When he moved in, he was working during the day. There were days that... We wouldn't even see each other or just text each other when we needed some. 
I unlocked my door, walked in. Can't expect him to lay on a couch, but he wasn't. Nothing strange. I think he's in the room sleeping because the door was closed. Took a shower, made my breakfast, and quietly started watching a movie. I didn't want to wake Francis up. I went around my room around 11.30. I was actually still awake when I received a call by Miss Angela. Asked me if Francis was home. So let me knock on his door. After no answer, I said, he's not here. I said, but he was here because his car was here this morning when I came home. Miss Angela told me that they had an appointment with the car at the dealer and that he didn't show up. So I open up the room and I see he's not in his bed. In the corner of my eyes, I see his car keys laying down on the dresser. I said, Miss Angela, give me a second. Let me walk outside real quick. The car keys are still here on the dresser, so I walk outside and I see his car still at the same spot. I said, Miss Angela, I'm sorry. I think he forgot his appointment. In the back of my mind, I know that Francis never forget his mother's appointment, especially not this one, because he was driving his mother's car and he was having tires that he wanted and needed to be put on the car. I said, he was here last night because I left to work around 1040, so he must have went out after that. I'll call around. She said, I can't reach him because his phone is cut off. Still, I was positive that he was at TJ's place or at Stayed out last night, even though he wasn't going nowhere when I asked him that night, because he rented out some movies. Miss Angela had a different feeling. Of course, after the accident, Francis was changed. He had pain in his arm and shoulder. He had trouble with his memory. Of course, he didn't want anyone to be worried, so he didn't complain very often about the pain in his shoulder that was caused by the iron plates put in there. I first called Francis' phone, but it was off. He did tell me last night, before I left, that his phone probably would be cut off. I called TJ first. The last few days, TJ spent more and more time with Francis. He came and picked up Francis from my house often. And I knew that they were together that Sunday playing basketball. also knew that they were tight. And I knew that me and Francis' friendship was in a different part of our lives than their friendship. We had a clear brother and sister, but they grew up together. They knew each other from the back of their hands. Their world was separate from my world. TJ said, I haven't spoken with him, and you know, he'll be back the next couple of days. I asked him when was the last time he spoke with him. He said, well, I think it was Sunday or something, which could be, but I think that he spoke with him that Monday, but okay. At the time, I didn't realize it, and at the time, I wasn't stressing it. Because I know Francis, he's a grown man. Sometimes I don't see him for days. Only, I said his car is still here and his mother is stressing it. I called up his other friends. Most of them saw him on Sunday. And then had an appointment today to do his hair on a Tuesday. I called back Miss Angela and I said I called everyone I know. But he must have forgotten the appointment with you. I'll tell him when he comes home. She said... I called the cops and filed a missing person report. The police will be there shortly. Something is wrong. She seen him on Sunday. I was with him in the house till Monday night. And it wasn't even close to the 24-hour mark that needed to be to file a missing person. So that's why there is a day difference between the flyer that says the 24th of September. That was on that Sunday. I seen him last on Monday night before I went to work on the 25th. At the time, I didn't know or realize that 
he wasn't going to come back. I personally might have even thought that it was kind of fast to draw the conclusion of him missing or that there was something wrong. I'm sitting outside asking online if someone see Francis and two Jacksonville Sheriff officers approaching me. We are here for the missing person. Is this where he lives? I say, yes, he's my roommate. When did you see him last? Last night, I answered before I went to work. Was his demeanor uh, different? Any break of evidence? No, no, no. I unlocked my front door. That indicates to me that he closed it behind him and took the key. Evidence of struggle when you came home? No, everything was the same as I left it. No indica indication of him having company. His glass was still on the table. No extra glass or anything. Is there anything missing? Walked in his room. And I said, can't find his wallet in his book bag. And Francis was known for never leaving the house without a book bag ID or his wallet. All his shoes were still in the room. Except for the red and white Jordans, they were missing by the door. And the black t-shirt and the black shorts that he had on when I left was nowhere, so he didn't change clothes. That's what he had on. And he left the car keys and the car. Officer asked if I looked in the car yet. I said no, because in the back of my mind, Francis will be popping up in a few hours. Forgot the appointment, and it was all big misunderstanding. Plus, I didn't see his book bag, so he's probably with a female that picked him up, maybe. That's what my thought process was. We walked back downstairs to his car. The officer looking in it, and he said, why is there four big tires? I said, because of the appointment that he had this morning to put him on, but he didn't show up. The officer went in the car, opened up the middle console, and says, ma'am, is this his wallet? Oh, shit. That's my first words. I said, yes, sir. Is his ID in there? He said, yes. And his bank card? Also. Is this his bank card? Officer said, why are you responding like this is impossible? I said, sir, he never leaves his wallet, his bank card, or ID in his car. He will go out in a storm to take him out the car. I said, officer, can you please open up the trunk, please? The officer wasn't having it because I was almost popping up the trunk myself because he was slow in my mind. I'm looking for his backpack now. He said, ma'am, step back. Suddenly, I felt fear. And I really felt something bad happened. Because so far, it's nothing for Francis. The officer popped the trunk. He said, what are we looking for? I said, a book back, sir. He opened the trunk, ordered me to stay next to the car. I believe that my response to him finding the wallet caused the officer to see how serious and how out of character this was for Francis. He said, ma'am, is this it? He holds up a black book back. I literally felt the ground pulling under me. I felt all my blood draining from my face, and I stepped back. It's unbelievable. The officer put his hand on my shoulder. He said, ma'am, are you okay? He looked like you've seen a ghost. Go sit on the stairs, please. I was completely puzzled. And right then, him not showing up, leaving his car, his wallet, his ID, his bank pass, his book bag, and locked the door behind him. This was not good. This is not good at all. The officer said, two detectives are on their way to talk to you. Stay home. Don't touch anything. They will take over the case from here. 
The two female detectives assigned to this case came upstairs and started asking me about the day and night before. Anything strange he said or did? They went to his room, found a couple of bucks, lottery ticket that was bought the day before and the drawing day was set for that day. His notebooks with his lyrics in it, all his clothes and his music. Nah, they didn't find any drugs, weapons or indication of criminal activity. They asked me about his job. I wasn't sure. Because I think he quit his job like two weeks prior, and he was complaining about a lot of pain in his shoulder. It was a physical job, moving things around. And the last two weeks, he was kind of off. I mean, he was kind of in a depression state, almost. Francis wasn't the happy person that he used to be. Something was bothering him. But I will explain that in the next few episodes. Because when somebody goes missing in your own place, right under your nose, things become from normal to very suspicious behavior. Also, the response from friends and family is divided. From zero interest into the search, to suspecting everybody and everyone to have something to do with it. When you're the last person known seeing him alive and well, and everyone, including his mother, thinks that you know something because you was the closest person, and... Your loyalty will be strong enough to do whatever he wants you to say and do. Only this time, I'm not the one who Francis trusted that night. I'm just as clueless as the rest. Only I had a solid alibi. And only my alibi was checked by the detectives. But in the meantime, two other people play hide-and-seek with the detectives. Wasn't suddenly available to talk to them. And wasn't very active in searching for Francis. Maybe they know more. Or maybe they was just scared for the detectives. In the next episode, I will dive deeper into the last Twitter messages from Francis that he sent just three hours before I came home. The night before and his last few weeks prior. The music that he put out that Sunday. And one song in particular was separated on my laptop that Francis used. I use it in the intro. And the song tells you an interesting story. It calls in the blink of an eye. I will let you hear it now. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Find Rob Francis Podcast. And if you have any more information or want to leave an anonymous tip, please visit www.findrobfrancis.com or on any social network under Find Rob Francis. Once there was a rapper that was super spectacular His name was Little N.A. You can peep his vernacular Such a poet on the beat who thought it could exist Had every combination of the greatest that has ever spit Though he broken, he don't know how his next meal is coming in Insufficient with the funds, no toilet bowl, I brought that piss in One evening, shook hands with a man Something seemed strange about him when you looked at first glance He introduced himself as David He said, consider me your brethren I know you sick of living like a peasant Your talent I gotta have I got a business plan I'm serious, he said he brought cash in advance I wanna make your wildest dreams come true But then a bleak of an eye This could all be you The lime like the fame in that brand new coupe How about Mount Olympus Heavenly throne like Zeus It's funny how life could change Within the blink of an eye Be careful of decisions you make All within the blink of an eye When everything you know is gone And everything that glitters ain't gold you know 
things can go from good to bad, bad to all within the blink of an eye. He said, I can make you priceless like a prehistoric asset. Like the Egyptians, the Mayans are the Aztecs. You'll be mentioned forever. That ain't no bullshit. Like Atlantis, risen from the abyss. Only two obligations. Devin cleared his throat before he spoke. He said, You gotta change your quotes. Promotes more murder and dope, etc. Don't worry, I will intervene. Bring your listeners to me. The other obligation is that in 10 years, I will reappear. Just a cash in, a small fee, very low rate of interest. Like Spike Lee, I'm co-side by the benches. Watching, helping, and protecting my investment. Here's a pin, sign it, don't worry about the fine print. Blah, blah, hand me that cash, Lenny replied. And put a John Hancock on the dotted line. Devin blinked twice, fire flashed in his eyes. Then Lenny heard him whisper, Your soul is mine. He asked him, What have I got? made a change to a devilish grin you should have consulted in a lawyer or a minister plus his laughter was like a villain so sinister it's too late Lenny didn't think about the cost and now his soul will forever be lost it's funny how life could change all within the blink of an eye be careful of decisions you make all within the blink of an eye when everything you know is gone And everything that glitters ain't gold, you know Things can go from good to bad, bad to All within the blink of an eye It's funny how life could change All within the blink of an eye Be careful of decisions you make All within the blink of an eye when everything you know is gone And everything that glitters ain't gold, you know Things can go from good to bad, bad to All within the blink of an eye